everybody. It's Miss New Mexico USA 2019, Allie Gonzalez, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey, everybody. My name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss New Mexico USA 2019, and she was runner-up to Chesley Christ at Miss USA last year. She is the daughter of parents who immigrated to the United States from Monterey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico, making her a first-generation American. Growing up in a household that prioritized education, she surpassed expectations and obtained her master's degree in accounting. Being a proud numbers geek, at 27, she shares her passion for education by teaching students about the importance of financial literacy. In addition to numbers, she uses her love for animals to advocate for various animal causes. Through her life challenges, she has realized that sometimes things don't always work out as planned. Rather, if you're open and willing to walk down a path different from what you originally expected, sometimes it leads you to right where you should be. Always enjoy her outlook on life and her bright, shining smile. Allie Gonzalez, great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's uh, exciting because uh, you you had quite a year here in pageantry as Miss New Mexico USA. You're about to give up your crown here, but let's just walk back to the highlight moment of of your journey, and that is your your runner-up finish to Chesley at Miss USA. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of people, and I've talked to people from literally the last 25 years on finishing either, you know, in the top spot or in the runner-up spot, Um, but Things are a little bit different today. Talk about what it was like to go through that experience and be right there. I've been through the first runner-up position a lot. <laughs> <I'm> competing. <laughs> yeah, like, this is, Which just, is, just give me one more spot. Yeah, I mean, so I've been through it, and the irony is that I finished in it. I started in it, and I ended in it. So it was, I, at that moment, you know, you really, at least for me, it was like I had worked so hard for this moment. And I've always kind of said I'd rather be second runner-up than first runner-up because it's just so much pressure. But at that moment, you just kind of go numb. And a lot of people after Miss USA, because I tell my mom all the time, I'm like, my, our our crowning moment is, or her crowning moment is going to be in that little montage for Miss USA forever. So (laughs) I'm going to be part of it. And uh, a lot of people have asked me, they were like, what were you guys talking about? And I just remember thinking, I'm just going to close my eyes because I'm a very expressive person with my eyes. And I said, and I don't want to look back and just kind of see and, you know, try to read what I was thinking (laughs) in the moment. So I'm just going to keep my eyes closed. And Chesley was praying. And I would have never thought of that, but I appreciated it so much. It was, it gave me more peace. And so... At that point, it was just kind of like, well, whatever happens, I mean, the results are the results. They're ready. They're going to be read. And um, I just kind of 
take a deep breath and I listened to the results and, and that was it. And I was, I mean, either way, I was just so happy to the fact that, you know, if I wasn't going to win, that was the perfect spot to end everything in, you know? Well, and let me tell you something, Chesley Christ is a hell of a competitor. I mean, the fact that you were, I mean, we literally didn't know. I mean, I was like, it could go either way right here. So the fact that you were right there, I mean, that's, (laughs) that's something to be, uh, to be very proud of. So, I mean, don't take anything away from your finish. I mean, you, you really killed it up there. I I guess that's what I want to talk about is that experience of, of getting to uh, the final two. Um, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast with a lot of people. It's a little more of a political culture today than it has been in pageants. Yeah. And I think as you're approaching the top five, um, in the back of your mind, you've got to be thinking, man, I'm excited, but I'm also terrified of what three million people might watch me answer on Fox. Go through your thought process as you got to the top five. So, <laughs> so that part, uh, the entire day, I guess, let me preface this with, talking about how we had a mock Miss U.S. We had dress rehearsal. And I I was so confused (laughs) when we got to dress rehearsal because everything is just going crazy. And I just remember being overwhelmed. I didn't really understand what was happening. They just started telling us, pack your top 15 bag. And I was like, what in the world is a top 15? Like, as if I had never experienced (laughs) this in my life, you know? And so... I pulled my chaperone aside and I said, Miss Tammy, what is happening? And she was like, sweetie, just don't worry. Just put in all of your stuff, label it with your state sticker and put it in your top 15 bag. That way, if you do make the top 15, you know, we can take it into the next room. And I said, right, but why are we doing it now? (laughs) So dress rehearsal started out. It was, it was just whack for me. So uh, we go through dress rehearsal and it feels like Miss USA. I mean, they are treating this exactly the way the telecast is going to go. And so in my head, I, I obviously knew that it wasn't real, but it felt so real. So that when the top 15 was, the mock 15 was being announced, I was like, Allie, just relax. This is not real. This is not real. We get to commercial break, the mock commercial break. And then they finish out the mock 15. And I said, Allie, this is not real. Just relax. And even though I knew that, I was, it got me in such a bad mood because I was like, you need to, you need to stop. You need to get out of this mindset. <laughs> this is not real. But it gave me a taste of, of what it could potentially feel like. And so I just kind of focused in on like, this is not real, trying to get out, trying to get myself out of this mindset. And I just remember when it was over, I went straight to the restroom to kind of get ready because my spray tan was not sticking to me. So what you guys saw me, it was a fresh sprayed spray tan with like the cheapest bottle of (laughs) fake spray tan that you could find from Ross. And I, every, like I said, every pre show, it was, everything was insane for me. So when it was actual show time, my prayer prior to getting onto the stage was just guide me in whichever direction you want me to go on and don't let me fall. <laughs> please. <laughs> and so, so after I did that, that was just my, I guess my, my train of thought going into each phase. And I knew that people were watching. And to me, because I had competed for so long, I just had a point to prove. And it was a point to prove to everyone who hadn't believed in me and more so than anything to myself 
because there was obviously something in me that told me that I could do it. And now it was time for me to prove it to myself and live up to that, you know, little voice in my head. So when I made the 15, I was super, super happy because I was like, okay, well, finally I get to go on, you know, national TV. Yeah, (laughs) it's real, real. And I wasn't expecting to get called second into the 15. But I was so, so happy because that meant I didn't have to wait any, any longer. And um, when, once the competition started, it just kind of flowed for me. So getting called into the 10, getting called into the five, getting called into the three, it was kind of like a, okay, this is flowing. It's going well. I never kind of, you know, I didn't stop to think, oh, there's a bunch of people watching me. It's just kind of like, you're living this moment. So do well, because at the end of the day, the most important thing was that I was going to be able to rewatch this. And then I fast, I aged myself maybe like 20, 30 years. And if my kids ever find this on YouTube, it better be good. So <laughs> that's what I was looking for. You I know, like I was making approach. sure that, it, yeah, because, you know, I don't want them to come up to me and tell me, hey, mom, what were you thinking? I mean, and I'm sure they will one day, but, you know, at least to my standards, I did it well. So I just, I just wanted to make sure that I approached this with no regrets. And that's, that's exactly what happened. And so getting called into the five, getting called first into the five, again, it took so much pressure off of me because I wasn't like, oh gosh, it's the last one, you know, the last thought, I, you know, it was straight ahead, the first one. So we had gotten a list of topics to kind of go over. I want to say they were maybe about 20, I could be wrong, but there were a lot of topics and we had gotten that list the day before. So I tried to write, I'm a, I'm a visual person, so mm-hmm. I liked to write, write it out, write out my response. And that way, if I wrote it out, I could kind of catch all my mistakes or kind of what I wanted to leave out. And so that really helped me. However, I only got through like five of them because there's everyone's just running around like crazy. And so I wasn't nervous. I was just kind of like, okay, let's just take a breather, listen to the question and find the balance. But of course, you know, like you've mentioned, there's such a political climate, even in pageantry, that my my only worry was just walking that fine line. Because I didn't want to go one way and I didn't want to go the other way. So that was probably the most difficult part for me. But I was just so lucky to have gotten the question that I did because it hit very close to home. You know, immigration at the time was such a big issue, especially coming from a border state. And then my hometown of McAllen, we've been on the news (laughs) for a while. And so I had gotten to live it for for a long time. And so to be able to talk about that and talk about my parents, it was, it was, you know, it was just so natural for me. And a lot of people have asked me, they're like, did you plan that out? And I said, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, but one thing that did shock me, and I will say this, is that when I said Monterrey, Mexico, and I heard the crowd just oh, clap, I, I, I mean, that completely freaked me out in the best way possible because I wasn't expecting such a reaction. You know, to me, it was like, oh, well, that's the way you say it. And that's the way I've said it my whole life. So, you know, what kind of impact is that going to make? And so to me, it would just kind of felt like someone had taken like a little air gun and shot it at me because that's how much, you know, that's how riled up everybody got. And I was just so happy. And in my head, I just said, I'll finish 
your statement. Just finish what you're saying and be done. And so that's what I did. And so that was just, I don't know, it was just such a special moment for me. So at that point, that was when I knew I was actually pretty calm about going into the three because I I felt really, really, really good about my answer. Um, so I do understand that your journey into pageants, uh, I, I believe you began watching a Miss Universe, I think about, what, eight, nine years ago, and that's where it all began. Can you talk about that and who that was? Yes, that was uh, Miss Universe 2010 when Jimena Navarrete won. And I guess that kind of full circles the whole, you know, you appreciate someone from your culture being able to take it so far. I remember when the contestants came out, I saw Jimena, Jimena's photo, and then I realized that she was from Mexico. And so, you know, you're always very proud to have the representatives from your culture or wherever you're from. And so I got very excited that she was from Mexico, that she was a Latina. And I cheered for her all the way. And I was like, she's going to win. And sure enough, she won. And fast forward five years later, I was able to meet her and her mom. So that was probably one of my biggest highlights. And she's one of the sweetest people. And actually, after Miss USA, she started following me. And I completely fangirled over that. So she's following me on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And so she watched. Yes. Yes. Actually, one of my friends who's a photographer did some of her photos and he told me, he goes, she, you were, you were her favorite. And I was like, oh, well, that means the world to me. Thank you. <laughs> that is super cool. Yeah. Now you competed for eight years now in, in pageant terms. I think we all know that's a long time. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, I, and I've talked to a few others that I think, you know, it took them seven, eight years to win the crowd. One of them, uh, just off the top of my head, was Teal Murdoch out of Utah. I think she won it in her seventh or eighth year as well. I guess yeah. as, as you're doing it, and you, you talked about you were a runner-up often, what keeps mm-hmm. you going? I mean, what what is the thing that in the back of your head you keep saying, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm going back? Well, <laughs> this goes back to me as a child. I have my mom is a very like she supports any crazy idea that I want to do regardless of where it's headed she just do it and my dad is more of the conservative side where he doesn't like to take that much risk so he'll always be the one to warn me like oh maybe you shouldn't do it or maybe you should stop well you're not winning so stop and to me it was always kind of like I I never took that as a negative thing because it actually pushed me because I was like, well, you know what, dad, let me prove you wrong. So I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I did. So in the back of my head, I, my head was already kind of programmed to think that not, not to my dad, but like to people, because at the end of the day, every time you lose, it's someone telling you no. And to me, it was like, well, I know I can do this. So I'm not going to let someone tell me no. And that's what it was. It was just kind of like a, I'm, I'm going to prove it to myself and to everybody that I can do it and that I do deserve to be here. And that's really what kept me going. So, and I remember I did have one of my friends, we were discussing, you know, one of those conversations where you just discuss life. And um, I had, I had, I don't remember what we were talking about, but the comment came out and they said, well, really, how's the whole Miss Texas and Miss USA thing working out for you? And I, I mean, I just grabbed onto that and I said, okay, all right. Those are the people that you want to prove wrong, right? Yes. So, and at that point, when, when that comment came out, I had already given up. I said, you know what? I'm not going back. And this was before I moved to New Mexico. So 
I little did I know <laughs> that I would be proving them wrong the following year. You know, that's really the part of the satisfaction that that I I had with actually attaining this goal because I was able to prove it to myself and along to everybody else that didn't believe that I could do it. Well, let's talk about that motivation because I, I think it's a really interesting approach because, you know, when we talk about, you know, getting your mindset ready for Miss USA or competing or, or, or whatnot, you know, a lot of times we're, of course, talking about all the positive aspects of, you know, how to motivate mm-hmm. yourself. But sometimes the bitterness of somebody hating on you, of somebody telling you you couldn't do it, of somebody giving you, you know, like what you heard, it eats at you. Was that your probably best driving motivation to compete at the highest level? I won't say, I can't say it, it was the motivator, but it had a lot to do with it. Yes, it did. It was more of also like getting the validation for myself that all these years and all these sacrifices that have been made, not only by me, but by my family members was worth it. You know, I had, there was something that needed to come out of this. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just so, I'm just so proud of the way it ended and that I can say that. Well, and you did it. This is how I am. And tell me if you're the same way. When somebody, mm-hmm. when somebody gives you comments like, you know, and, and they make you feel like you can't do it. That's basically what it comes down to. I think in the yeah. back of all of our minds, I know in the back of my mind, sometimes even when you get there, you're still going, can I do it? Are they going to prove me wrong or am I going to prove? I mean, you're really literally sitting there deep in your mind going, I hope they're not right. Oh, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, it's so funny because I had thought of that up until finals night. And for whatever reason, some divine intervention, my headspace was so clear when I got on that stage finals night that I was just truly enjoying the moment and it's so cliched to say but I had finally had finally gotten to that point where I was able to experience it and not care or not think about anything that could go wrong it was just kind of like I was so focused in on each round and that's really what helped me because if not I would have probably ran away with the whole negative aspect of it because it's true I mean it's so scary you're having you have so many people watching you on tv whether we like it or not there's a lot of people that didn't believe in you that didn't like you and they're rooting for you to fail and a lot of people are rooting for you because they love you and you and you want to help them you know you want to prove them right because they've been supporting you for so long so you want to prove everybody (laughs) you want to prove all these things to everybody and, and mainly, you want to prove them to yourself and to your family. So Well, you proved it. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, my wife wanted me to ask a question. because <laughs> she, okay. she, she watched the pageant. <laughs> she's like, I want to know how she went about choosing her dress. Because you, you wore the yellow dress, which is a bold statement. It really was a great dress. It stuck out a lot. But you know the cliche phrase in pageants, winners wear white. And, of course, the statistics <laughs> actually do measure out that. And Chesley wore a white dress. So who are we to argue with that? But... Um, I had a conversation a while back with Olivia Jordan on how she chose a bubblegum pink ball gown. And so I think I would love to know how you went about choosing yellow and, you know, kind of taking a a bold statement and saying, I'm going to go different. First off, I look terrible in white. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it washes me out. Uh, It's not one of my strongest colors on me. I'm more of the whole gemstone color. So emeralds, any royal blues, any deep reds. Uh, like a royal of deep yellow. And when I 
picked out my gown for Miss USA, we, we had to choose a Sherry Hill gown. And so I won on January 27th, 2019. And two days later, I had to go to Austin to pick out my Miss USA dress. And of course, you never want to get ahead of yourself and think, oh, okay, well, I also need to be thinking of my Miss USA dress before you even win the state title. So I hadn't thought of it. I just kind of went with color. And so when I was designing my Miss New Mexico dress, I had actually told the designer, I said, what if we do yellow? And because he was in Argentina, uh, he couldn't see the tones of yellow that he had to go on my skin and everything. So he's like, I wouldn't do yellow because, you know, you're already in olive skin tone. The yellow, if it's not the right yellow, it can clash and it can look bad. And I said, okay, that's fine. Let's just do royal blue. So going into picking my Miss USA dress, I said, okay, well, I've done the red. I've done the blue. And the only two colors that are left that I would want to compete in, and I said, what, we're going to be yellow or green. So I said, well, which one would I want to go to Miss Universe in? And I was like, well, I mean, I can't get ahead of myself, but which one do I kind of want to save? And that was the green. So then when we got to Sherry's, I tried on yellows and I tried on green. It was in between a yellow and this beautiful, deep, deep green. It was just so such a rich green. And it was kind of like that silk fabric. And it was going to have to probably end up being that dress. And so anyway, when we saw both of them together, the green just kind of clashed against my dark hair color. And I wasn't going to change my hair color for a dress. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I was like, okay, you know what, we'll figure it out. We're not going to do green. Let's focus on the yellow. So I had actually tried on a light shade of yellow and then kind of like an in-between yellow and then my yellow. And that gown was actually the last. I ended up pulling that dress from the rack just to kind of like a kind of like a teaser, you know, like, okay, let's just try this dress on. And it ended up being the dress because we <laughs> we were there for so long and I tried on so many beautiful gowns. And I was like, what? kind of like what style do I want to go with and so that was also overwhelming but at least I knew that I was going to do yellow so that helped a lot and so when when we tried it on and I got to see the staff face when I did try it on um, one of the things that I did hear was this is not like there's nothing like this on the runway and I was like oh okay well, that, that helps you know there's nothing there's no yellow there's no similar yellow and it's so funny to me that um you know, me and Mariela were back to back, <laughs> back to back I for know, evening gowns. Both were yellow, but they were very different shades of yellow. And I, I just, I love the yellow. And so when I ended up picking that that dress, Sherry had come in and said, "Okay, well, what do you want the the stoning to be?" And originally, where my stoning was green, it had been pink. So I said, "Well, I'm already picking a yellow, and it's the color of the New Mexico flag." which, you know, I love the meaning behind things. So I said, this is meant to be. I said, well, why don't we add some turquoise and some emerald green? That way I can tie in the emerald green that I want and I can tie in the turquoise that New Mexico is known for. So that's how I picked my dress. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, you mentioned Miss Universe in there. Speaking of, uh, you and I obviously attended in Atlanta together. Uh, got to be Yay! part of, you know, what was a, a very unique venue. Um, it was very um, unique. <laughs> before we talk about the venue, let's just talk about the situation. Um, Chesley was certainly in the running. I mean, I was stunned that she didn't make the top five, I'll be honest, because I think she would have won it if she did. But I agree. Um, you know, as you're going through the show, I mean, you're sitting there a couple rows back 
Um, and I know I mm-hmm. asked you that night, but I mean, really, were you thinking, gosh, I could be Miss USA tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, in, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, Ali, if this happens, how are you going to handle being in the middle of opening up a business and having to move? How are you going to do that? So I, w- I was nervous. I mean, I... I was nervous. I was not enjoying the whole thing. Like, I wish I could have enjoyed it without that stress because because it was on my mind. I mean, the entire time I was rooting for her because she's, she's my girl. And she really, I completely agree with you. If she had been in that five, I think she probably definitely would have taken it. So in my head, I was like, okay, I really want you to win, but I need to really figure out how I'm going to solve my problems. <laughs> so uh, I was, I mean, I was nervous, but I was, I was also excited. And again, the same mentality that I had gone into, into Miss USA, that's, that's what I did. I just said, you know what, this is your plan. This is the path you want me to walk down. Then, then so be it, you know, we'll figure it out. Well, it certainly uh, almost played out, but thankfully, you know, for your sake and then the sake of, you know, opening a business and everything like that, it did. <laughs> um, but I, I would love, you know, I, everybody had opinions about, you know, Tyler Perry Studios and the venue and everything like that. I'd just love to hear from a competitor standpoint what you thought. I might be a little biased, but I'm sorry, Miss USA was better. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. I mean, again, I might be biased, but. It was just, Miss USA was just such a beautiful experience for me. And the, even even though when, I remember when we all got to the venue, we were like, oh, oh, it's a little smaller than we thought. Because I guess on TV, it looks so much bigger. Um, Are you talking that about Tyler Perry Studios or, or the venue in Reno? I'm talking about the venue in Reno. So okay. seeing Reno and then comparing it to the Tyler Perry Studios, it was kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that stage I, in Reno was pretty, in, I mean, that was a million dollar production. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, it, it was cool, but uh, again, I might be biased. I prefer the one in Reno. I, I actually got to go on stage uh, afterwards at Miss Universe. So I kind of got to feel it out. But I, I loved the fact that, you know, in Reno, you could see the entire crowd. And you didn't have to worry about people in the back. Yeah. And that's what the universe stage had. You know, you had people in the front, you had people in the back. So you kind of want to accommodate your entire crowd. So that's something that I liked about Reno, that everybody was just forward. <laughs> well, and look, you know, I, I host pageants all the time and I'm in a lot of different venues as well. And I think, you know, from what you're saying, you know, when you have that uh, and we'll call it what's, what's called an expo center layout. I mean, it's one long flat floor. And the people mm-hmm. sitting back in the 40th row, I mean, they have to look over the heads of everybody else who's sitting in front of them. Whereas an amphitheater, you've got the tiered seating. So everybody yeah. has a clear look at the stage. And I think that's just a, for pageants in particular, just a better style of venue. But I mean, I'm sure there's many reasons behind why they did it there and et cetera. And I don't even really care, to be honest. I just, I just wanted to yeah. know what you thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I had been on that stage, but... Um, of course. But no, <laughs> and I you think, almost were. I think... <laughs> I think Chesley did a great job when, when she walked out, you know, that straight line pattern that they had to walk down. Yeah. It was, I think it was a very strong, kind of very Victoria's Secret like. It was pretty interesting. All right. So when I uh, usually have a guest on, I like to scroll through their Instagram feed and you know, just kind of look for different stuff that seems to kind of let me peer into their mentality and kind of their philosophy on things. There was something I stumbled across. I want to read the post. You you know it, but I'm, I'm interested to know more about it because I think it's going to tell us a lot more about you and, and kind of motivation. Um, And it it read this to the 12 year old girl that picked the saxophone for band. 
Little did you know <laughs> that trading the flute for the saxophone would be one of the first actions you took towards what you set your sights on. Sticking to band throughout high school while balancing school, swimming, and cheerleading would show you time management, goal setting, and determination. You'll be proud of who you'll become. Tell us why that decision was so important in your life and how it affected your journey. Well, you're going to make me cry. So uh, I never, and I think this is probably one of the reasons that I wanted to start my podcast, mm-hmm. is because a lot of people don't know. I'm so sorry. I didn't expect <laughs> to tear up. Um, <laughs> I apparently found the right post. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, man, you, re- you really pulled the string there. Uh, <laughs> but in the best way. I mean, I don't mind talking about it. I really didn't think that on this, journey I was gonna learn so much about myself mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start my podcast because there's so much that there's so much of a backstory that go that went into every decision made into going to Miss USA and that's why in a way I'm so thankful that it took me so long to get to Miss USA because I was at the perfect time in my life to be able to reflect back and use that as power for my story and, and be able to recognize who I was and who I was becoming and what I stood for, because I'm pretty sure so many other people could relate to a similar story. And so when, <laughs> going back to the saxophone, so for band, they tested us. And they actually tested me for the flute, the tuba, and the trombone. (laughs) There you go. So I was not going to pick the tuba, and I was not going to pick the trombone because they were just giant to me. So I picked the flute, but it wasn't the instrument that I really wanted. And so I remember the first day of band, they had us in the woodwind room. There was the flute, the clarinets, and the saxophone. And I remember putting the flute together, and it's just three pieces. So all you have to do is pop one in on each end, and that was it. And I struggled so much just to get air out of the flute, but I was, I mean, I was not the best flute player. And so as the days went on, I think I, I don't verbatim how much time exactly passed, but it couldn't have been more than two weeks. I kept, I would remember putting my flute together and I was waiting for everybody else to have their instrument ready. And the clarinet is a lot of pieces. And then the saxophone is three pieces, but you also have to put your mouthpiece, the neck strap and the, and the reed. And so I remember looking back and, and I was like, Oh, well, that, that looks pretty. I like the shape of this. <laughs> I like the color of this. And I'm really weird when it comes to words. So I love the way words look and the word saxophone looked cool and it sounded cool. And so I told my mom, I said, I think I need to switch instruments. And she was like, well, did you get permission? And I said, no, but let's just switch it. I'm still learning. It's okay. And for whatever reason, she went along with it. So it's partially, this is partially her fault. because <laughs> She went along with it. And she took me to the music store and I traded in my flute for my saxophone and I showed up to school the next day with my saxophone and the director said, who gave you permission? And I said, nobody, but we're barely learning. I can learn. It's not going to be a problem. And uh, they were very upset with me, but they let me be. And sure enough, I kind of upheld my word and 
that was one of my first moves to kind of do what I believed I needed to do for myself. And so fast forwarding to winning New Mexico, I really had to stand up for myself because if there's one thing that I took away from one of the interview coaches, his name's Don Baker, unfortunately he passed, but he always, he taught me, he goes, if you're going to do this, do it your way. And you know, in the most, in the best way possible. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but I just wanted to make sure that every decision that I made going into Miss USA was going to be my decision. And it wasn't going to be something that was influenced by outside parties. I took, I took criticism. I took opinions. I listened to them, but at the end of the day, it was going to be my decision. And I wanted to be able to walk away fulfilling this experience saying, okay, if it went well, it was because of me. And if it went bad, it was because of me. No one else was going to be responsible for it. And so that was what I stood on. And, and it's so weird that this whole journey takes you back to so many defining moments in your life. And I didn't expect for that one to be it. But that was, that was my first decision where I said, okay, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it. And look at how much so. we just learned about you. That's awesome. That's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you mentioned the podcast. Uh, let's hear about it. Where, you know, where'd you come up with the idea? Why are you doing it? What are you doing? Well, because of same reason that <laughs> we've been talking about, there's, there's a lot that people don't talk about. There's a lot that people don't know about. And they're, they're all, they're just stories. You know, a lot of people might be able to take it as however it is that they want to take it. But it's just, it's my story. It's my story going into Miss USA. It's my story post Miss USA. It's just my story. And so there was so much state hopping controversy that I wanted to address it because, because I mean, yes, we all know where I came from. We came, I came from Texas and I moved to New Mexico and the state of New Mexico welcomed me with open arms. And I'm just so proud to have been able to dive into that New Mexico culture and carry it with me and be able to represent that state to the best of my ability on this USA. So I don't think it's something that people should be ashamed about. I think if anything, it diversifies you. So talk about it. You know, there's well, there's plenty of girls that do it. Yeah. What's your opinion on state hopping? Because I, I can think of two people just off the top of my head. Nia Sanchez was a huge one. Obviously, we went from California to Nevada, almost one Miss Universe. Uh, you went from Texas <laughs> to New Mexico, and obviously almost won Miss USA. Uh, Kaylin Miller Keys, uh, who was the year before you, uh, no, runner up in mm-hmm. North Carolina, uh, runner up at U Miss USA, uh, came from North Carolina, but was actually from Virginia, and so she had jumped states as well. Do you think it's a bad thing? I mean, do you think people have a right to be ticked off about state hoppers, or do you think it's just part of the system that's just okay? I mean, they make the rules. And as long as you follow the rules, you're good. But I mean, I can understand from a native standpoint, maybe the disagreement. The with kind the of the how dare you invade our state type of mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, if you follow the rules, you have nothing to be ashamed about or worry about. So, and as long as you're making sure that you live up to the standards of the state and you're representing the state to the best of your ability, I really don't think there's anything wrong with it. So I'm here to say, go state hoppers. You do what you got to do. <laughs> well, and yeah, the, the past couple of years, MUO has even laxed those uh, restrictions even more on state hopping. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not something you can't do anymore. So, okay, well, I appreciate you sharing the info on that. Um, I got two more things I want to talk about before we get into our uh, get to know you questions. Number one is uh, you started a pet service. You talked about Piper and Kennedy earlier, your dogs. <laughs> um, you're calling it yes. Piper and Kennedy Groom and Board. Now, as anybody has been on your uh, IG page, 
your your IGTV, um, they've seen that mm-hmm. you've actually been going through the process of building, literally building a business. Talk about, you know, being an entrepreneur and going after this. Well, there was one day where I was, my, remember, I'm still, I'm still testing for my CTA exam. And it's not the most entertaining thing to do. And so one day I was studying and I went off into La La Land in my head and I looked at Piper and Kennedy and I said, man, you guys, you guys have to pay me back for the wonderful life I give you. And so that's kind of how it started. And I said, okay, well, what could I do? And, you know, through all my travel for Miss USA, I always had to leave them with my mom or end with my dad. And if they couldn't take care of them, I would leave them with my brother, but I was not going to leave them anywhere else because there wasn't a place where that kind of lived up to my standards. And so I said, okay, well, I can't do that. And that's where the idea was born. I said, okay, well, what if I create (laughs) this place that is so picky for even the pickiest pet parent like me and it can be successful. And so I kind of just took it. I have an accounting background from business school. I took all that and I just kind of started piecing everything together. And I loved, I fell in love with piecing all of the pieces of a business, you know, from the marketing, from the accounting, from the legal structure. My fiance is an attorney, so that really helped me as well. And I've learned so much from him that, it helped me structure my own company. And so I remember structuring it out and I showed it to him and he goes, good job. (laughs) I said, thanks. So I just fell in love with building a business. And this is God willing, not my first, not my only one. It's my first one, but not my only one. And I'm excited to be able to kind of learn through this experience as well and be able to continue to building and to be able to build more businesses in the future with other things that take my interest. And when does it open? We're shooting for March. We actually are submitting to the city this week. We're submitting to the city, so we should start building next week. And God willing, we open up in March. How exciting. Well, good luck to you. That's awesome. Thank you. And lastly, you mentioned it. Uh, you're getting married. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we, my, I mean, I have to really give props to my fiance. He, we've been engaged for a while, and he has actually been so supportive in me pursuing this dream. So before I decided to do New Mexico, we were actually supposed to get married in December of 2018. So when I brought up the idea and everything kind of started, the the universe started speaking. He was like, just just do it, Allie. It's okay. (laughs) Don't worry. And I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yes, yes, do it. Fulfill it. And then that's, that's fine. And I was like, wow, well, you're either one, an amazing human being, and you really love me, or two, you really just don't want to get married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, no, of course, it's the first one. And, and so I appreciate his one support because I, I have, I really could not have been able to do it without him, my family, and I consider him part of my family. So when I say family, it includes, it's inclusive. And um, I really couldn't have done it without him, my mom. Those were my two biggest, my dad too. But again, my dad, my dad gets very scared. He doesn't like watching the pageants because he doesn't like seeing me sad. Sounds and like so your dad gets nervous of, about a lot of things. He does. He really does. Cause he just doesn't want me to be disappointed or be sad and stuff. And so actually side, side story to, the, to this, previous stories, he actually walked up to the stage after Miss USA and he was crying. And I have never seen my dad cry. 
So seeing him cry, I mean, tears literally just dropping. I was so in shock and it just made me cry. And then my mom was crying. So it was like a whole crying event. But seeing my dad cry, it was, it really was something for me. It was something special. So, so yeah, but uh, going back to my fiance, yes, he, I really, I couldn't have done this without him. So we're, we're excited for the wedding and we're excited for what's to come. Well, congratulations. And, uh, you know, I got to say, it's really nice to hear that you have a guy who's willing to wait, who's patient isn't trying to control the situation that's always a good thing so i think you found a good yes very good yes definitely and any any girl that's dating make sure he's supportive and patient yeah Susie castillo and i had that conversation and that's very important yeah that he's willing to support your journey and your dreams glad you found a good one let's just put it that way thank you all right (laughs) you ready for the uh, rapid fire get to know alley questions yes all right, 10 of them. We'll just we'll do these quick. I mean, I've actually done these one time before, so I, I, I really enjoyed this list. So we'll just rip through it. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Number one, at what age do you want to retire? Well, I think I'm, in a way, kind of already retired because I'm doing what I want. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think 65 is a good age. Number two, what's the <laughs> fastest speed that you've ever driven a car? Uh... I don't know if I can answer this without getting in trouble. <laughs> like 150, uh, 120. Uh, I'll tell. I'll tell you what. I've done 130, so that's mine. Okay. Okay. I've done 110. I get tickets all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, then you're not in trouble. They already know who you are. Uh, number three. I think I know the answer to this one. Big dogs or small dogs? Oh no! I have labs and Northies. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I have great Danes, so I'll go big dogs for you. <laughs> Number four, scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Oh, I'm good at keeping secrets with my friends. I'm not the best when it comes to family, because what I have to tell them, if my mom tells me something, it's going to come out with my dad, and I just don't want to, you know... I don't want to cause a problem. So <laughs> I like to be transparent with my parents. <laughs> so you're good with friends, not so good with family. Let's average out a number. Give me a number. What do you think? Six, seven? A seven. Seven. Uh, number five. Yeah. Uh, how many kids would you like to have if you want to have them? Uh, well, for sure two. But I'm good. Like, you know, we get twins and I have four. I'm good. <laughs> I like that. I like that approach. Number six. First celebrity crush. Who was it? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I love him all the time. What is it about Leo? Yeah, I don't know. I think I I really fell in love with him when I watched Titanic. Of when course, I was little. Jack. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then there there was there was a boy in elementary that kind of looked like him too. So it just made him more real for me. And I was like, I I love you. <laughs> uh, number seven, uh, morning person or a night person? I am a night person. Yes, I don't like waking up. <laughs> don't blame you. Number eight, giving presents or getting presents? Which? Oh, I love giving. I actually, I'm the worst present giver because I have to buy them the day before because if not, I will want to give it to you immediately. Number nine, do you Instagram your food? Meaning, do you take pictures of your food? No, but I did take a picture of my burger for New Year's Eve and I put it on my story. So I don't know if that counts, but I guess, I I guess we'll don't. let that one slide. That's totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 10 place. You most want to travel that you have not already. Um, 
Australia. I would love to go swimming with sharks in a cage. <laughs> Risky. Very good. Well, guess what? That's the 10 questions. You're off the hot seat. Thanks so much. Appreciate you answering. Thank you. That was hey, fun. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. I, I honestly, I expected to get a great conversation out of this, but I learned a lot about you that I didn't know already. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Really, I, I've enjoyed this a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me just talk freely. And, you know, that's one of my biggest things that um, I just feel like if pe- people were to be more transparent, we would be able to understand one another just a little bit better. I agree so much. Well, good luck with your podcast, by the way, and also with your uh, groom and board business. I'm excited to see how that plays out for you. Thank you. Thank you. So if y'all check out our Instagram, you'll be kind of updated. After yeah, this, what, I actually is, have to go film. What's the Instagram <laughs> for the uh, for the, for the groom, groom and board business? So it's at Piper and Kennedy GB. I couldn't fit the groom and board because it was too long, but Piper and Kennedy GB. <laughs> Got it. Okay, very good. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Allie Gonzalez for her time. Now, if you want to follow Allie on social media, you can check out her Instagram page. It's at Allie, that's A-L-L-I-E dot Gonzalez. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 5, 9. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Have an awesome week, everybody. Music